Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. We are now on episode number 31. 31. I Welcome. I like how every episode I'm announcing it like it's like, yeah, we're 31. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every every episode could be a milestone if you really want to celebrate it. Yeah, every sode is a new sode. I was going to say something witty, but I had nothing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. You look like you're pontificating. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. anyway, this is Joe, uh, and I'm with the crew that produces East Carolina Beer and Brewing, and we've got... Nick. And... Elsie. In the his house. Yeah, we just were waiting out a big uh, rainstorm, a little bit of hail, and I'm curious to see if our vehicles have been destroyed by the falling ice, but hopefully yeah. not. It came, and it went very quickly. It uh showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't know it was supposed to rain, let alone hail. And here we are now. Hail. Bunkered in. Hail. What the hail? What the hail? What the hail? Yeah, my little uh, 2015 Hyundai Elantra will not withstand much hail. <laughs> the tiniest Why of stones will probably dent it. me to this. Yeah. Torture. Yeah. yeah. We're back. Another mm-hmm. sewed. We switched to our, our bi-weekly episode production. And... Uh, you know, it's time again, so in case you had missed it before, every other week now. But thanks for tuning in. Uh, what are we drinking here? We've got a beverage cracked already. Yeah, well, speaking of those tiny stones outside, oh, we've got a... Uh, Do we have a glass bottle of Keystone right here? <laughs> I can't tell. It's too similar. Oh, you know what? Oh, wait, that might no, actually be something else. Oh, it's Stone IPA. Uh, they're mm. so easy to confuse. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Grab <laughs> some stones. Yeah. I'll stone them. Oh. Wow. Lauren's going Lauren's to throw the first stone. Yeah. Uh, we actually have a, a stone IPA that's very old, honestly. <laughs> it was in the back of the fridge, and we were like, what can we crack? Uh, and this one, it says enjoy by 2019. I'm really curious to see how this aged. Enjoy by uh, November 30th, 2019. So we're sitting at mm. about uh, three years over <laughs> the enjoy yeah. by date. It doesn't age well, <laughs> um, but we'll see if we can't, you know, Ooh, just every once in a while, you've got to, just got to clean up the old beer fridge Yep. Uh, and you find some old inventory. On the nose, I'm getting hints of olive juice. Um, a little disturbing. A little, little briny, a little salty. Not a bad aftertaste though. It's kind of a... What about the during taste? I think I taste more olive than smell though. Oh, really? See, me, for it's like me, it's got olive. a little bit of a sweeter finish. Yeah, it's a green olive. Very interesting. Hopefully, that doesn't mean there's some sort of poisonous bacteria in there about to kill us. But well, uh, It's been nice knowing you guys. If we're violently puking later, <laughs> I don't know why. Elsie <laughs> elected to not have any, which was probably smart. <laughs> yes. Elsie's uh, yeah. in, in semi-protest. Uh, you know, and we picked this old stone, one, to clean out the fridge, and two, to talk about the newest uh, suit in the stone saga. Uh, their little battle here with uh, Sycamore Brewing, which is in... Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, right in our, kind of in our backyard, but a little bit farther yeah. west. And this one was initiated by Sycamore, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they're kind of taking a stand back. And even I think in the lawsuit, uh, it said something about that Stone is a, a trademark bully, especially in the craft beer industry, and they've really been uh, kind of going after some breweries. And we talked about this a little bit in our episode, a couple episodes ago, about how there were some breweries that had like Stone in the name, maybe not related at all but they went after them but now sycamore is, is going after him for the uh keep it juicy tagline that they've trademarked yeah i mean going back a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago 
you know, there was a, there was Stone taking on a major macro brewery in Miller Coors and uh, their mm-hmm. Keystone brand by, they were claiming copyright infringement with, you know, the use of stones uh, for their uh, their Keystone cans. Yeah. And uh, also, I mean, we kind of diverged uh, a little bit into their, uh, their suits against some of the smaller craft breweries that incorporated Stone into the name. I think one in particular was like Stone Saw Brewing Company in a small town in Kentucky or somewhere. And it's just kind of interesting now when, when uh, Joe actually sent me the link or, or sent me a, a message a, a couple of weeks ago when this was all kind of starting with Sycamore. And uh, I assumed based on the conversation that, oh no, you know, Stone must have attacked another mm-hmm. small brewery, but it turns out the, tra- the tables have been turned. So yes, yeah, the tables <laughs> that was, uh, are interesting that now that they're on the receiving end of it. And actually, yeah, the judge found a uh, uh, favor in Sycamore's argument. And now uh, Stone has to refrain from using the slogan, keep it juicy on any of their cans or packaging, I believe. Yeah. And did you see the, the two keep it juicy logos? I mean, here's a picture here I got from some news, yeah. local news website, WSOC TV nine. It's not an, an exact rip off, but there's a lot of similarity to the style of it. Yeah. Like the word, like it's like normal font. And then the word juicy is like that liquidy looking font with some droplets coming off of it. Like it's been squeezed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can see how, how close it is. I mean, it's literally the same exact words too. So, yeah. and uh, S- Sycamore has been using keep it juicy for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all entered into the suit against stone. And this is a recent, uh, marketing slogan by stone. So they really did have a case by going against them and, and asking them to cease and desist the use of that slogan. Uh, but also just interesting timing on the, mm-hmm. The, the back end of the the stone suit against Miller Coors. So. Oh, yeah. It's very interesting. And it's funny to see this statement from uh, the stone CEO. He says, we're disappointed by and do not agree with the court's order regarding stone's use of keep it juicy on its stone hazy IPA packaging. <laughs> Which I find, I find that very interesting. It's like, we're going to go after anything that has stone in the name. Uh, and then... We're going to get mad when we literally have the same exact tagline, but we're upset about it, you know? Yeah. I, I, it's a little bit of a hypocrisy, in my opinion. Um, you know, especially considering his uh, the, the owner also had commented on his disappointment with the, the settlement with the uh, stone or the stone keystone suit. You know, they, they were awarded a settlement fee, but I guess the the money was way smaller than the original suit mm-hmm. amount. And so he was disappointed with that too. But it's like, you know, you're going to make, I think it was like 40 or $50 million that they, they got uh, awarded in that settlement. But you know, the damage I'm sure was not anywhere near that, that actual amount. I think that the claim that the, the name was damaged because of the similarities drawn by Keystone is a little bit out of, yeah, out of touch, but it's just interesting to read some of this stuff too. It talks about how Stone like said that they were criticizing Sycamore's uh, advertising campaign, saying that they had raunchy advertising campaigns. Jeez, um, <laughs> some just random things on this, but like using swear words that are like kind of like changed slightly and and things. So that's just, just used in the craft brew industry anymore. I think that's pretty mm-hmm. uh, ubiquitous with it. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. It's quirky. It I mean, it's it's a beverage for adults, so I think we're okay by having a little yeah, bit of yeah, a little bit of risque nomenclature <laughs> and and depictions. Yeah. 
and then they say go to say like stone goes to say like oh we only use it in small letters like on one part of the box but then there's like two pictures of two boxes next to each other and it like is in the same size and oh, same gosh. area as that so it's very interesting how the tables yeah. have turned the next piece in the in the saga Warren, you finally tried the old stone ipa would you say Hmm. I like <laughs> sycamores better. <laughs> what if it was three years old? <laughs> it would still taste better. Wow, it's a shame we didn't actually have a three-year-old so sycamore beer. Head indignantly to you, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Away. Yep. You know, it's, it's again. It's, it's the principle of the matter. It is. I think there's a little bit of uh, almost like a code of. You know, there's just like an unwritten code amongst craft brewers. I would feel like and. Stone seems to kind of not follow any sort of code of well-being or uh, goodwill <laughs> towards each other. They yeah. just they're out for themselves, and uh, I mean it's a business. You've got to got to look after your your brand and your business. But mm-hmm. I would expect to see a little more camaraderie or uh, a welcoming attitude to to other craft breweries. But yeah, I feel like it's almost like flipped to like their attitude. I don't know if it's their size and their involvement of like investors and things, but like. You know, there's documentaries and all this stuff about how they built their business and like how they were trying to expand and novel markets and things like that. So I don't know if it just was that rapid expansion and change that kind of changed their attitudes. I know with this, the Miller Coors thing, there was some stuff citing how they owed their investors a significant amount oh. of money and that may have spurred some of this. But uh, yeah, just very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Lauren? don't have any additional thoughts everybody love everybody and that's all i have to say about that and that's all i have to say well about and that. more uplifting news we're we're getting very close to the casita collab fest oh which yes we are it's a really nice way that the ca- craft brewing industry comes together mm-hmm. you see a lot of collaboratory brews next weekend brew well, with next, us next weekend <laughs> yeah may 14th at casita brewing company in wilson yeah if you're gonna be uh, there, look for us. We'll say hello. By the four time, to seven p.m. Yeah, by the time this episode is out, we will be going to it in a couple days. It'll yeah. only be a couple days away. I'm ready. excited. That'll be cool. Some collab. Let's let's uh let's bring the craft brew world together. Let's stop hey. hating and start appreciating good beer. Don't hate, just appreciate. <laughs> that was a little, that was a little bit uh, cheeky, but I'm just gonna find as many. Logos and taglines that I can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we stole our name from some other podcast, and we did. It was even we, LC. She her name's not really LC. She just no. stole the she moniker stole, from somebody else. Yeah, Lauren what, what, Conrad. You know what we? Oh, see, yeah, Lauren geez. Conrad's gonna put a cease and desist against Lauren here. She probably will. No, I was gonna say that we we stole our name from Weast Carolina Beer and Brewing <laughs> LLC, and then. LC just took the LL the, the LC out of the LLC and then we just changed it to East. What are you doing with your hair, Lauren? You don't like it? I didn't say that. I just asked what you're doing. For a visual, she had a, a ponytail, but now she's moved it to the top of her head and split it in half and she looks kind of cute. It kind of reminds me of like psychotic. a cocker spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> or the, psychotic or a cocker spaniel. Or like a rabbit, Some say you know. Cocker spaniels are quite psychotic. This was long. The long floppy ears. It kind of reminds me of. Oh yeah. Because it's like. Oh gosh, we got to smell it. Smacking microphones We're over just, here. The equipment's uh, not Damaging malfunctioning. It's just. I'm gonna have to get the soldering iron out again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everything needs to be soldered down. Oh man. 
But yeah, so that's one thing. Well, you know, speaking of collabs, collab. I brought a nice collab beer for us to try today. Oh, I like it. I actually was not even planned. I just kind of worked out that way. But you know, part of the uh, collab fest with Casita will include some of our local craft breweries that Casita's worked with. One of which I believe is Salude Cerveceria. And I believe New Anthem Beer Project may also be there. Well, Salud Cerveceria and New Anthem Beer Project put out a collab beer. It's a cold IPA. Cold IPA? Yo quiero una cold IPA. Por favor. Por favor. This is a beer called Like Looped. Really cool kind of neon design on the an all-black can with some neon you know, doodles and stuff on it. It's really bright looking. Very 90s looking. Oh, Very yeah. Very Saved by the Bell-esque. Uh, that... Oh, shoot. Saved by the Bell's going to sue them. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, your can is too similar to our yeah, it's, it's... beloved 90s franchise. Yeah, it's like the yeah. 90s neon. The whole really 90s cool. is going to sue them. Geometric shapes all over it. And squiggles. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good collab beer that I'm excited to try. Um, we we'll go ahead and give us a crack. Is that a Volcom stone on there? They're really getting sued. <laughs> Volcom. <laughs> Ooh, that release of carbonation in the station. Wow. Just from opening the can, I got a really potent whiff of the hops. I'm excited to see nice. how this smells in the glass. We got some tulip glasses here and some tikus. Yeah. Now, does it say anything about the origination of the name, like Looped? No. You know, I'm actually very curious about that name. I thought I heard Looped and I didn't know if it was supposed to be some kind of allude to uh lupulin lupulins like, from the hops yeah that's that's interesting i was wondering that myself looks kind of nice it's like a i have to do a little research on that name yeah hey lauren do you want your tiki glass yeah oh, right. yeah it's a gold it's like a golden color uh, it's a little dark it's kind of like uh apple juice yeah or apple juice honey or apple juice okay <laughs> apple what juice. was it it's last apple juice yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> Have you drank apple juice lately? Because that's what it looks like. No, I haven't had apple juice lately. Oh, really? I had some when we were camping. Lauren really you likes to compare the we camping. No, the one of the moms juices. that have actual uh, kids, they gave me an apple juice. You know what else it looks like? Dehydrated urine. Okay. The nephrology person <laughs> would suggest that. <laughs> that's the nephrologist in you, Joe. Thanks. Oh, it has a really nice kind of pillowy head. It's persistent so far yeah it's really hanging around here it's nice yeah, uh, really tight nice bubbles actually some loose big ones in the middle though it's, mm-hmm. not, it's a nice foam and it looks very clean very clear yeah. kind of that straw gold color orange or apple juice as lc might have definitely noted uh but yeah so as i mentioned this is a cold ipa which is what style that i'm not that? super cold, familiar with i kind of thought I thought maybe I uh, misread the can, or maybe I just was out of the loop. It turns out I'm a little bit out of the loop. Does that mean you just pulled it out of the fridge? It's it's cold and it's an IPA. Oh yeah, it's best served cold. And you know what? I would think all beers should be served cold. Well, just like revenge. Does anyone drink a hot IPA? Is that You're a thing? Doing it right. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really like um, hot beverages in the form of a beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coffee. Check. Yes, coffee. Hot cocoa. Hot cocoa. Check. Hot tea. Tea. IPA is not one of those <laughs> ones that I prefer to have warmed. Yeah. Nose. Mm. 
Fruity. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a New England IPA style. You know, a little more muted. Not as, I don't think it's as much of a juice bomb. But I'm getting some tropical melony aromas. Yeah, tropically. Tropically. <sighs> tropically. Tropically speaking, if I was a pineapple. Yeah, it's uh, a little more on the estery, juicy side than I would have maybe thought from mm-hmm. that initial pungent waft of hop aroma I got when I opened the can. It came across as more of a, I don't know, piney, fresh hop aroma, something more of a West Coast style IPA, but this is kind of leaning more towards the smell of a New England IPA, so yeah, a bit of a a stark difference from when I opened the can to when I poured it in the glass. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely, I don't think it's, it's kind of like a mix between. And so I guess that kind of leads us into like, what exactly is a cold IPA? Is it, uh, you know, what's cold about it? So is it, is it lagered? Yeah. Is it frozen? Is it an ice IPA? That's actually one no. style of IPA I've not seen. Then it would be IPA. called an ice IPA. Well, they've got cold IPA. We could do a hot IPA, <laughs> which actually, uh, the cold IPA, you would, when reading about it and kind of learning about the brewing style, you would find it to be a little bit uh, of a, an oxymoron because there's nothing about it that's cold in the brewing process. You're going to do your normal boil, and uh, you're going to use a lager yeast, actually. But mm-hmm. a lot of IPAs that try to use a lager yeast, we might consider them as IPLs or India Pale Lagers, and they use it at a cold fermenting temperature, which is typical yeah. for lagers. So it's Here, actually lagered. Yeah, it's yeah. it's lagered. And this one, actually, the cold IPA, it's brewed with your IPA recipe with some adjunct malt, and then you're going to throw in the lager yeast, but actually keep it at a warmer temperature. Mm-hmm. And this is intentional. This was um, actually something that I believe first is credited to uh, a man from uh, or. Uh, Portland, Oregon, actually, from Wayfinder Brewing Company, um, Kevin Davey. He kind of was not really fond of the the IPLs that were kind of coming out. He, he found them to be a little bit inconsistent. I think the problem was, you know, with fermenting with the lager yeast at cold temperatures with an IPA recipe with those grains and with the uh, the American hops, it was just not really producing a a product a product that was crisp. It was clean. It was producing a lot of that nice hot flavor without being overly bitter Mm -hmm. and also people have tried to do some dry hopping with lagers to kind of boost up the hop content of your traditional like pilsner recipe and again it's just it's difficult to find that good balance where you're not just overwhelming somebody with like stark bitterness or like really grassy vegetal hops so Davey thought you know let's try to find somewhere in the middle that kind of showcases the hops it uses a, a grain recipe or grain bill that and a yeast recipe that allows the hops to really showcase their aromas and flavors without being sort of too bitter, overly um, harsh on the palate. So he kind of toyed around and decided, why not just use the lager yeast at a warmer temperature and allow there to be less of a production of the sulfur dioxide. You still let the sort of clean malt bill and that clean lager yeast strain come through but not produce overly estery compounds that sort of offset the the flavors of the hops and it just kind of creates like a i believe i read somewhere he kind of referred to it as like a blank canvas for the hops to, yeah. to really just lay themselves out and, and be 
uh, present and without being too bitter, too harsh on the palate. Well, that's the thing. It's it's interesting because, you know, lager yeast, clean, minimal yeast character from it, you know. it's But where ale yeast, we're talking fruity, estery flavors. And, you know, you don't always think about that as being a thing, but it really provides a interesting backbone of flavors and and when you have this that doesn't really have that it's it is hoppy but not overly hop aggressive like an extremely hopped like west coast ipa it's muted the bitterness is there but not too much the hop aromas are there from this is dry hopped right Mm -hmm. Uh, from the so from the dry hopping process like you can pick that up but it's not overly bitter it's not fruity or anything weird like that it is kind of as you described like a blank cab- canvas for the hops it's it's very interesting yeah and there's a so sort of the original recipe for the first cold ipa that that davy brewed back in 2018 um so he's thinking you know let's uh let's sort of adapt a an ale recipe he added in some adjuncts to the malt uh i think he recommends corn and rice as being sort of the best options there because it's going to contribute to a nice mouthfeel, add to some body, but also those adjuncts to the malt bill will, act, will actually contribute to sort of having a uh, a softened but yet uh, balanceable presence for the, the hops when they're added in. Um, using, a of course, a lager yeast to, fer- to ferment with that, but again, we mentioned it's at a warmer temp and not at the, the normal cold lagering temperature that lager yeast strains are typically known to ferment with this also is really nice because he mentioned doing it at that temperature it's gonna help reduce the the amount of sulfur dioxide that's produced which is a little bit present in most beers but can be an off flavor it can be a little bit alarming if it's well i mean higher yeah. quantities <laughs> so you don't want over to the sulfur sulfuric beer you'll be kind of on the rotten well, egg t- kind of stinky yeah. yeah what's an appropriate level of so2 if you can't detect it, that's You're a talking good sign. about the uh, threshold of detectability. How many parts per million? Mm-hmm. That is a question I do not know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if I was a Cicerone, I would, but I'm Maybe not. someday. Is it something that they test for before the beer goes out? Like, how do they know how much? I don't think they're running like a mass spectrometry. Yeah. spectrometry so it's based solely on like the I think it's aroma a flavor. flavor yeah. Taking a pull off of, you know, your... Uh, when you're off your fermenters to see, you know, you your can probably Zwickle. smell it then. Getting some Zwickle beer. Yeah. Pulling off that little uh, Caparino. When you mentioned about the hopping, yeah, so the, the sort of the final stage after the fermentation's taken place, uh, they do do a dry hopping at the very end. And this is uh, done during the process of spunding or krausing, uh, if they're going to force the carbonation in there. So that allows the hops actually to uh, sort of evolve and tra- have a biotransformation within the beer. And it really, I think, brings out a lot of those hop aromas and flavors without it being part of the boil, because then you're getting oils as well. If you're not having it in the boil doing a dry hop, then you kind of get uh, you know, a bit of a different profile. It's less bitterness from the hops. A lot of the bitterness comes in from the, the oils during the, the process of boiling them in. So a lot of late-stage dry hopping in beers, particularly with ales. So you mentioned croisoning. Uh, I feel like that's not a commonly used technique. Seems kind of like an old-fashioned technique, yeah, but still used a lot today. It's, it's like a traditional type of uh, 
carbonation it seems yeah because you're trying to you're like you know creating that secondary fermentation right Mm -hmm. you're you're putting active fermenting wort or yeast i mean the croizen is that when if you've ever homebrewed you know like the beer that's a nice active bubbly layer on top and those are like yeast particles that have risen to the top after it's fermenting you know especially with ale yeast because they're those top fermenting yeast but you can harvest that and uh sounds like they they use that and get it back into here back into the beer and, and cause that to carbonate at that point yeah and it's kind of a, a a rapid process it it helps with sort of getting that moving and by adding in the the dry hops at that stage you know i think you get a really nice presence of hops but it's not it's gonna like i said not gonna overwhelm because that's not the point that Kevin Davey was trying to accomplish by making this cold IPA was just to make a super hoppy, bitter, harsh beer. I think he is more of a fan of the the West Coast style than the New England style, just because his sentiment is that, you know, with a lot of the New England IPAs, those ale yeasts often impart some of those estuary flavors that people might perceive as coming from the hops. And so mm-hmm. by doing this method of brewing the cold IPA, that actually will just be a true testament to the hop flavors and really showcase those American hops that, you know, are, are used for, uh, for dry hopping, they're used for aroma, they're used for flavor. So this is an opportunity to sort of showcase those, which I thought was a really cool idea. Yeah, it is a, a neat process for sure. And, uh, not super common, you know, it's got, I don't know if how many of how many cold IPAs I've seen, you know, I've seen some yeah. from more West coast breweries like in, in Oregon and stuff, but not around here so much. So like, especially with Portland, um, when we were out there, I don't really notice, or maybe I just didn't pay attention of it being like one of the specific styles that they had offered. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I just didn't pick up on it. Yeah, maybe we didn't. We were also there during like fresh hop beer season. So I think those were really showcasing that at that time, since they're so close to their hop source, they can just throw those whole wet hops oh, in there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is... Interesting. I want to, it'd be really cool to try and like compare, like if they did a batch that was done with lager yeast and then a batch that was done with ale yeast and see really what the difference is in flavor profile. Be very, very interested. Oh yeah. But like keep the same malt bill and everything. But uh, does this use adjuncts? I was reading a little bit about cold IPAs using more of that lagery formula where they can use some adjuncts like rice and corn and. Oh Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was the, you know, the first iteration, I'm sure most brewers that have, you know, done their own cold IPAs, they're going to throw in those corn and rice grains into their, uh, their malt, just, uh, which again is, you know, typical for a lot of the lagers and the pilsners that you're going to drink. But in addition to your, your typical ale malt bill, it's just to add some body, add some mouthfeel, but also help to sort of create a nice, um, nice welcoming atmosphere for this for the hops without being too transparent and letting the hops be too bitter and harsh i think there's a there's a you know a downside to this attempt is if you go too far in one direction which is what kevin davy was kind of trying to modify with this cold ipa idea was just to not let the hops be kind of a punch in the mouth with that kind of bitter harshness because as much as we like west coast ipas and some bitterness you don't want the, the perceived bitterness should not be too high. And actually, the standard characteristics, Kevin notes that it's actually moderate to high for perceived bitterness with this cold IPA. So, and, th- and this one here from 
Salute Savisseria and New Anthem is actually, I would say, moderate bitterness. It's not, no, it's not. Um, overly bitter, which I was kind of interested to find out. I never had a cold IPA that I can recall because it's a relatively new style. Yeah, yeah. So um, thinking about the BJCP style category, um, where would this fall in there? Is it its own specific category, question mark? <laughs> question mark? Yeah. I almost, I don't know. I have a hard time. Because it's such a Frankenstein of styles, you know, where it's like India Pale Lager is like a lager that's been slapped with hops, right? And, uh, you know, like um, this is kind of different. It's like you started making a lager and then you said, hey, let's ferment it at warmer temperatures and then we'll we'll throw some hops on it. Yeah, I wasn't even sure if at this point of the... India Pale Lager is that its own recognized mm. beer category from BJCP? And so, again, yeah, a lot of experimental beers I think are still in limbo, or they're just there's no one catch-all style. I think last week when we talked about, or the last episode talking about the style studies, and uh, you know, you had the the oyster stout, which you know again is kind of not really. It, there's not one one style that would correctly fit it, it kind of falls under, you know, sort of that like milk stout or, uh, I can't remember exactly where sweet stout, sweet stout. Yeah. So, and really it's not even that sweet of a stout. It's just, it doesn't have its own home. So there's just so many experimental styles out there that while there is some recognition in some arenas, it's maybe not certified if you're going to get it evaluated as its own distinct style yet. Yeah. I feel like this might, go into the specialty IPA category but it's it's again fair. it's weird with the the lager yeast but it's not lagered you know it's not fermented at cold temperatures for long periods of time and that's what i think takes away some of its delicacy that's not overwhelmed by the hops but you know that was one i guess one criticism with those cold, with those IPLs was that it's like you took a delicate lager and maybe you did it too quickly or you didn't balance it out very well because you know you think about super hobby beers you're trying to get a nice malt base to balance it all out but yeah i don't know it's it's very weird <laughs> and so i think we don't talk enough probably about like balancing beer and i when i find a beer that seems like you, you'll know when you have a beer that's just like perfectly balanced and um having some some presence of malt to balance out your hops is really important especially with some bitter IPAs or some, some bitter hops that are used. You know, that's why a lot of your, you know, sort of noble hops that are used in your Pilsners, they're only contributing to like a slight drying, uh, spicy bitterness, but it's, it's so subtle that you don't really pick up on it, and which is necessary because if you try to use American hops, some of these really potent uh, kind of earthy or piney resinous hops in a Pilsner recipe, which is what Kevin Davey talked about is, you know, sort of the dry hopped lager beer. They're just too grassy and vegetal, and the, the bitterness comes through too much because it's too clean of a, mm-hmm. a malt bill. So he kind of found a nice balance between your typical IPA or ale malt bill, adding in some of the the adjuncts, the rice and the corn grains that sort of help find a happy medium. So sounds like it's a fortified lager that's been hopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am very well, curious though where the, know, where the cold IPA came, came from because the name doesn't really. Well, it's just weird because it's lager yeast, but then it's called an ale. 
which an ale is from ale yeast or top fermenting yeast. But I don't know if, if it's because the lager yeast behave yeah. like ale yeast or that, but they don't create a ton of estery, fruity flavors. Mm-hmm. So that's stuff. I think it's a mismatch of, of things. And I think if you had, you'd have to get really sciencey thinking about the nomenclature of it. Yeah. Science. Science. See, I almost would think it'd make more sense to switch the names. And call it a hot IPA? <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, the, I guess IPL is already taken, but the India Pale Lager, to me, you could use that to describe this beer we're having here because lagering, yeah, it does sort of insinuate, you know, the lager yeast and the lagering process of colder temperatures with your um, lagering of the beer. Whereas the cold IPA, I would think that you could actually switch the names around between IPL and the cold IPA that we're drinking today. If you want to kind of look at it logically or if make it make a little more sense to the the layman, because uh, uh, you know an IPL actually the lager yeast is fermenting at a lager cold temperature, which is standard for that yeast strain. This cold IPA actually has the lager yeast, but it's at a warmer fermenting temperature. It's at I think generally sixty five degrees. So. Maybe maybe Kevin just thought, you know, IPL's already taken, so I guess I'll go with cold <laughs> yeah, IPA. Go, go IPA. I'm sure there's actually warm a logic. IPA. That would have also made sense. Yeah. But maybe I mean, regular IPAs are warm yeah. IPAs, so you can't be like... All right. So, if, lukewarm IPA. What if you called it... The 65 IPA. What, what? What if you called it a warm, pale lager? Ale. A WPL. <laughs> Warm pale lager ale. A WMPL? Yeah, I mean, Wait, just... what? I added a letter. <laughs> w- yeah, where'd the M come from? <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. Let's we'll call this a a keep, Kippa? Sipa? Sipa. You got your yeah, Deepas and your <laughs> and your Nipas and, and your Tipas and your Beepas and your Dua Lipas. <laughs> Dua Lipa. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, if actually, if you have a. You could call a double IPA a dual IPA, dual oh, IPA. Yeah. I wonder if there's a brewery that's have that has an IPA that's you should, named that. I wonder if dual IPA would sue them. <laughs> <laughs> or you could, yeah, you could make a dual IPA. Dual IPA. Just have dual, it, yeah. Dual space IPA. Dual lingo. And the implication would still be there. I think people right. would pick up on that. You heard it here first, folks. We have this idea. If you want it, you can buy it from us. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> We you will say take you to court. <laughs> <laughs> I declare trademark. <laughs> I didn't say trademark. I declared it. I declared it. Oh man, what are we're your, full of good ideas here. Yeah, yeah. So, what are your tasting notes on this? I'm, I'm curious. Now that we've had some time to digest and dissect this, the style. What are you getting there, Lauren? Tasty. So, I will comment that um, I. Historically, it took me a while to get into the West Coast IPAs. I kind of what my gateway IPA was like our New England style um, because I found them more enjoyable because they were more palatable with their fruitiness. Yeah. Just kidding. Thank you. Um, So that was my gateway IPA. Um, Then I started to kind of enjoy the standard IPA. It is a little more bitter, a little more hoppy flavor. I feel like this is um, crisp. But not really bitter, yeah. which I feel like is the intent, and you know exactly. why it's a different <laughs> style. I was like, I I enjoy this. Yeah, the perceived and it, bitterness is low. 
Yes. Um, and also, too, I, I think it's a mismatch of what I get from an aroma stand and what I'm actually sipping in. Because from an aroma sense, I thought I would be kind of tasting kind of more of a fruity juice bomb. Yeah, and that's what Make I feel like this style is a mismatch, like a mix up of Nipah's. Or like that hazy New England juicy yeah. IPA with a West Coast IPA. It's like you take the flavor profile of the West Coast, tone down the bitterness, add some juice on the aroma, but not so much in the flavor, and you've got this beer. And then you like finish it with a crisp, good body, lighter, good, yeah, yeah, light to medium body, decent carbonation. It's like, it's like a, I don't know, almost like a session IPA that's been. That's like better, <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, like a low alcohol, low thing, but it's like better. What, uh, speaking of that, what is the ABV on this? This actually is 6.6% for this, um, which I think kind of falls in a, a pretty standard realm for your, your West Coast IPA, your American IPA. But it drinks uh, like it's 4%. Yeah. And that's the point. I don't think we really talked a ton about that, but you know, Kevin Davey, the sort of father of the cold IPA, his intention really besides... Again, you know, we talked over and over about showcasing hops and, uh, you know, sort of experimenting with the style. He wanted something that was going to be a nice, crisp, clean beer, have some West Coast flair to it with that hoppiness, but also be sessionable, maintaining a lot of strength. And, uh, yeah, I think actually a direct quote from one of his articles where he actually talks about his, his history of brewing this beer, straight from Kevin Davey, he says has a magnificent hop aroma, a clean assertive bitterness, and a bold, clean finish that makes the drink drinker crave another sip. I felt it needed a name to differentiate it. So it's a bit western than West Coast. It's crisp and sessionable, but strong and sneaky. It's cold IPA. It is kind of sneaky. It is. I've, definitely, it's a sneaky beer. Maybe it's cold because it's like it's just silent cold killer with yeah, those hops. It's a master of it's disguise. Sneaky. Yeah. Am I not bitter enough for the bitter club? The bitter club. <laughs> I really uh, like it, a though. Callback. You remember that? Master of Disguise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is good. I like it. You know, I think, yeah, you guys might have mentioned this. It's probably something you're going to find more more of in the West, of the, uh, the Western breweries of the U- U.S. The Wild West. Yeah, the Wild All West. The, the Portlands and the California breweries. Hey, maybe Stone has one. Who knows? <laughs> Wouldn't drink it. Wow. <laughs> we'll never You're know. Really full on boycott again. Yeah. Yep. I mean, their beer still tastes good. I'm stubborn. I'm also very excited. Uh, this is a really good collab between Salud Cerveceria and New Anthem. <laughs> New Anthem being in Wilmington and Salud being out in Charlotte. So, oh. wow, it's really interesting to have two breweries that collaborate from East opposite East sides. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wilmington being on the East Coast directly and then wow, Charlotte being all the way out was. They're like, hey, let's make a collab. And they're like, hey, let's do a style that fuses East and West. Boom, we got it. And that's exactly what you said about this style. It kind of fuses the East yeah. New England IPA and then the West Coast IPA. So. You should have named it Biggie Pock. <laughs> Too Biggie. I still don't know what like looped means, but yeah. we'll find out someday. Maybe we'll ask him at the uh, collab fest. What if they're like, you drink too many of them, dude? You get like, looped it. <laughs> looped it, looped. If you oh. read it backwards, it's dit pool. Dit pool. I love dit pools. 
Which is also not a word. <laughs> and, uh, it, I feel like you're trying to like national treasure this can. Like, yeah. If you read it backwards, it's Dipool. Dipool is Latin for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, success. I think it's great success. So hopefully that was helpful. Uh, you know, explaining yeah. a little more cold IPA to you, uh, even though it's still a little ambiguous as to what it actually is. I'm curious to try more examples of the style mm-hmm. to get a better handle on what the flavor profile is, but. Yeah, and check your local brewers and see if maybe they've mm-hmm. experimented with this style themselves. If they released some cans or have it on draft somewhere, and give it a shot. Maybe we'll have to ask some of our, uh, you know, more IPA forward uh, brewer friends. Hey, yo, why don't you try whipping up a cold IPA? Summer's coming. A cold one. Bring down the crack open a cold one with cold IPA. <laughs> Well, that speaking one sounds of like that, the siren well, for Elsie's pick. Yeah, speaking of that, you look a little thirsty, gents. <laughs> <laughs> As Nick pours As I pour water. some water. <laughs> How'd you know? I am thirsty. <laughs> I'm just that talented. Thirsty. Yeah, hook me up with some of that water. I want to rinse my gloss. So one might hey. say that it's time for Elsie's pick of the week. Elsie's pick of the week. <laughs> Presented by... Secondary Elsie. fermentation. Yeah. And Elsie. And Elsie. And Driver Street so, Bottle Shop. And Driver Street Bottle Shop. Actually, this is presented by Wegmans, but... Sorry. By Wegmans. <laughs> she don't tell them Driver Street Bottle Shop. <laughs> I just love Wegmans. Um, All right. My glass is ready if you can reach it. Assume your positions, gents. Ah, is there anything better than the sound of a can of beer cracking open? Some might say, you know, the sounds of your firstborn child crying as he's welcomed into the world. <laughs> I say the cracking of a beer. <laughs> he says dad, dad for the first time. Yeah, it's, it's cracking of a beer. Shut up. I can't hear the beer well, crack, son. I have no children, so I cannot attest to that. Neither. No. Some may say it's a baby's laugh. <laughs> but a little giggle. <laughs> <laughs> Who had the, well... I had the taller of the glasses, or this the I had the tulip, and Joe had the, I had the tiku. tiku. You had the tiku. He had the tulip. By the way, shameless plug for glassware. If you have the chance, get yourself a tulip glass or a tiku or both. They're really great for uh, displaying a lot of different beer styles. Oh yeah, for sure. Shaker pint has its place. Yeah, mainly shaken cocktails, but <laughs> not stood. Alright, what are you sniffing mm. off the bat here? Okay. I feel, my nose is kind of plugged up. I'm having a little harder time getting some smells off these beers. So, definitely another IPA we've got here. Fruity. Uh, yeah. You getting citrus or? Citrusy, a little more, yeah, a little bit more of that lemon peel, lemon zest. Um, maybe a little bit of some orange citrus as well. Yeah, so I was kind of getting some little uh, mandarin orange. Mm. Yeah, yeah some deep, peach. deep aromas. I'm definitely getting some of that. Deeper. Yeah. I don't know if you heard. I did over a thousand sniffs. Yeah, sort of more. Man, we're just throwing out all sorts of references right now yeah. that I'm pretty sure no one is understanding. I got the um, Turtle Club one. That one's really old too. I mean, which one's older? That one or the Anchorman reference I just made? Anchorman is older than at Master of Disguise, right? Anchorman is like 2003. Master of Disguise. I'm not sure. Hmm. This has a very Different mouthfeel compared to the cold IPA we just had. Super bright. 
Well, now it's fading. Mm. I also feel like it just has a bit more body to it. It does. Yeah, the the cold IPA was really crisp and clean and sort of lighter body. This one has a bit more of a medium body. It's juicy. Ju- yeah, and it's not nearly as dry as the last one. Oh no! So we might be very more in stark our... contrast here. Like you know, you've got that cold, crisp finish mm-hmm. with light, juicy aromas and some bitterness that plays well, but not overly bitter. But this one is more full body in comparison juicy straight up like citrus aromas and flavors really heavy carbonation too not like super heavy but pretty bright yeah i feel like there's a little bit of uh i want to say a floral aftertaste or finish it kind of goes from a citrusy juicy upfront flavor to sort of a softer kind of floral or maybe slightly earthy it just kind of mellows out from being totally juicy to something. Yeah, I see what you're saying. A little more grounded, I guess. Not necessarily apricot kind of flavor, but hmm. I don't know. It's, it's maybe like going green, from like a citrus to melon. Could be. It could be a transition from like a bright citrus fruit to sort of a, a softer, subtle melon or yeah. or a, a fleshy fruit that doesn't have as much like volatile. So I'm taking a, flavor. Yeah, taking a look at it now. It is lighter. It's light yellow. Very pale. Kind of reminds me of one of those pineapple-flavored uh, popsicles. You know, the classic ones that come in the sleeves. Yeah. Cut them with the old scissors. It's got a bit of like a chill haze to it. It's um, overall not too hazy, but... Yeah, you can still see like the bottom of the I think foam. just because the color is so light. It's like a... It's lighter than like straw-colored even. It's... I don't know how to describe this. It's it's like it's almost like slightly darker lemon juice. Where just it's got yeah. a tint of like yellow straw color to it, but it's just so pale. If I were to rank this in urine standards, like I did the other beer, this one is like <laughs> you probably got like some sort of urinary tract infection. It's kind of it's there's a lot of like white blood cells floating around in there. Uh, you're still a little bit dehydrated, but you're better than you were. You got a lot of proteinuria I mean, with, that, with that foam on top. More hydrated, but now you've got a <laughs> UTI. So are you really better off? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, leaving a little bit of lace on the glass, too. The head is persistent. Uh, it's got a you know, little bit of in- integrity to the head. I'm having a hard time deciding if I want to just flat out say this is a New England IPA. That's what I was going to say. New England IPA. Okay. Uh, I'm just having a hard time. And maybe some like, well, if you want to get into the the weeds here, citrus. I think some mm-hmm. some think orange citrus, or some melon clementine. Note. I'm gonna even say some like like Australian hops, like New Zealand hops, or not Australian. But you know what I'm saying? Any other kind of hops you want to throw out there and suggest? Just citra hops. Okay. Oh, that's a safe bet. All right. Could, so, gents, safe bet, but I could be wrong. Ahem, are you ready for the reveal? Yeah. Did I just like kill kill it with that? They're like completely. It is it a vanilla porter. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um. So this is an IPA. This is uh the Citra Four Ways New England oh, Citra. IPA. Nice. Collective Arts. Uh, I think this is the second one we've done from them. Collective uh, Arts. Yeah, from Canada. A. Eh? Eh? Um, oh, B. So, yeah. So the this uses four different hops. So regular citra, citrus, 
Cryo, Citra Incognito, <sighs> and Citra Spectrum. Just- um, so it gives you that sweet, fruity aromas of bright grapefruit and orange citrus with flavors of lemon meringue pie combined with juicy tropical fruits. Lemon meringue pie. Interesting. I can yes. get that. So any guesses on your ABV here? I wasn't that far off. New Zealand hops have similar flavor yeah. characteristics. Just you went, you went for the, the wrong answer. You know, that was, yeah. a, that was a nice bold. So it's got cry. What's incognito? Okay, we'll get back to that anyway. But uh, ABV, what were we guessing? I'll say... 7.1. Okay. I was going to say 7.3. Lower. 6. 6.5. Okay. 6. It was 6.5. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> you got it. Oh, I find this interesting. So this can has all these like um, reimbursement for deposit or whatever. I guess it's, it's a deposit that you get back. Yeah. Right. And then it's like Puerto Rico, do not litter. <laughs> That's literally your deposit. It's like, <laughs> it's like hey, do not litter. Don't litter. You ain't getting none back, but we will, don't if you're in Puerto Rico. And we will kill you. <laughs> if you live in North Carolina, you can litter it. It didn't say you couldn't. Yeah, we don't pay a deposit on that. I'm just we kidding. We could drive to a deposit state. We like do not condone littering. We, we all through recycle, I believe. So We do recycle. We, do. we can yeah. make five cents on this can. I know. I grew up in Iowa, and we had the deposit system there. So that was actually really frustrating in some ways because- you're paying five cents a can or a bottle at the store to get these, you know, your sodas, your uh, some waters, even your beer, and then so a good incentive to bring them back. But it just is such a pain to like have to rinse them and bring them back to like mm-hmm. a can redemption center. I might as well, like I'm gonna recycle them anyway. Just let me recycle for free. So that's really a blessing being here in North Carolina and just being able to put the can in the recycle yeah. bin. And well, the one thing about it is it does incentivize people, yeah, to do it. And not just the people who bought it, but everyone. Like, oh yeah, we used to in college. A lot more cans get we, brought back. Hey, you know, if the weather was nice, we may have a few beers on the on the back porch or outside or something. And we knew because of the the amount of bags of cans that were stolen off the back of our porch. If we just left the cans outside, then there would be people that would come by and and clean up everything for <laughs> us. And like, if we left them out for them in kind of like a pile, they would like wipe our tables off and everything. Like, it was wow, great. yeah. Full service. That is kind of disturbing. <laughs> well, if you think about it, you're probably giving them this, like yeah. 10, 15 bucks maybe worth of cans depending on what the night. Okay, whoa. <laughs> Five cents a pop. I don't think that many. How <laughs> many people did you have? Well, Jeez, so Louise. 20, 20 cans for a uh, dollar and uh, 200 cans. So right? just, yeah, 200 beers. We just have a casual night with 200 it's beers. It's a casual night. And three people. Seems excessive. But no, yeah. they would come. They, they'd like wipe. Clean things up, tidy it up, stack the cups. If there was cups, it was... That's really cool. Is that why you keep throwing our cans in the backyard? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm the only one that goes out there and cleans that stuff up. It was a symbiotic relationship. Joe just thought there was like a can fairy that... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every night, the can fairy comes and cleans up my mess. No, but one of my friends moved down here a couple years after I did, and he's like, when I first got here... I didn't understand. He went to the grocery store with two huge oh bags gosh, of cans. He did not. And was like Someone looking around and like, like walking around insane. with them like, where do I return these? Where do I return? And then he asked them and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he was like, oh, and had to bring it back to his car. He <laughs> oh, walked around no. like a lunatic with bags of empty cans. I had no idea until like, I think we went up to see your family and I'm like, what? What is this? Wow. Yeah, it's like a little extra payday. Yeah, but you're already like paying for it. You're paying extra yeah, when you buy it. But it just feels like a payday. <laughs> it's an an incentive if you didn't purchase it in the state 
at which you had to pay a deposit for it. Well, people also used to just like, you know, people would go and like homeless people and stuff, they'd go pick up cans. And like that would give them some extra income. Oh, yeah. And they're cleaning things. Very interesting. Interesting technique. Yeah. It's not not everywhere, but it, it, is, it is a good incentive program for sure. So what are the people on this can? I'm very interested. That looks like a bird. It's um oh it's look it's let me see it. It's four ways of people. It's four ways, yeah. So here's your regular Citra. Here's your Citra incognito. He's super incognito. Oh yeah, what is incognito? We never got um, back to that. This is a whole spectrum here, so that's the spectrum. Um and then she's just Citra. That's it. Just Citra. Just Citra. Nice. Regular. Well, we did it. We did it. We did it. IPA number 20, Citra Four Ways by Creative Collective Arts. Sorry, Collective Arts. I read that wrong. Um, before we wrap things up, I just want to say a shout out to, uh, we had a, a listener reach out, Matt. Mm-hmm. Matt, if you're listening, we appreciate uh, your message. And thanks for thanks for getting in touch with us. And uh, we, encourage, yeah. we encourage people to reach out. Uh, Matt reached out to us via email, but you're more than welcome to send us a DM on Instagram. If you want to on Twitter, we don't check that as much, but uh, you can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, or on the old book of the face. We got that too. Uh, but yeah, it was great. It was great to hear some feedback and to, to get in touch with some people that listen. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A real treat for us for sure to have mm-hmm. somebody reach out and, and let us know that they have listened and they've enjoyed at least to some degree our podcast. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. There is someone out there in the void. That At is least listening. one person besides our families. <laughs> yes. And yes. actually, I don't know if my mom actually even likes it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My mom does. She hey. told me so. Heck yeah. And she only says that because she's my mom. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. But uh, what did you guys learn today? Um, I learned that the cold IPA does not get its name secondary to the temperature at which you're supposed to enjoy it. Um, that we really did not discern a good reason as to why it's named a cold IPA. Um, so yeah, it's gotta be from the logger use, but I think it's more of convenience. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a mystery to me. So I actually learned a little bit about different carbonation techniques, uh, including the Krausening technique, which we mentioned a little bit earlier mm-hmm. on the show, uh, you know, using your, your active wart, adding that in, uh, and allowing that to sort of add some, um, I guess really you're just adding to the fermented beer to kind of carbonating it through process of just adding more, uh, yeah, for the yeast to eat on something. And actually it helps. I heard that it's actually really good for, uh, reducing your oxygen because the, the yeast Mm -hmm. is kind of Oh yeah, that was some other that, thing so. I saw that it scrubs out that oxygen because yeast need that to reproduce. So it's like go, so. dual purpose. Exactly, you're preventing oxidation, and that's what I call efficiency right there. Yeah, and we also mentioned spunding, I think earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who are, aren't too familiar, it's not a super common term, but spunding is basically you're, you're setting up a valve on your your fermentation vessel that once it hits a certain pressure, releases that pressure. And that's a way of naturally carbonating the beer versus I'm sure you've been at a brewery where you've seen the fermenter with the hose stuck into a five gallon bucket of sanitizer <laughs> and just bubbling away. This is actually containing that carbonation and then releasing it bit by bit 
so it maintains an even pressure. So that's a way you can naturally carbonate uh, beer is just by holding it in, but not so much that it explodes. <laughs> you don't always have to infuse it with straight CO2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You no know, forcing it to carbonate. Uh, but yeah, I definitely learned about uh, cold IPA. I learned that uh, also that breweries going at it over trademarking and advertising. But yeah, the saga continues. It does. It does. <laughs> the stone saga continues. The stone saga continues. We'll see what happens next. But uh, thanks for tuning in. As I mentioned before, hit us up on social media on Instagram at East Carolina Beer. And email, we're at East Carolina Beer at gmail.com. Hit up our website, East Carolina Beer.com, for our reviews. And we may just have one coming up soon for you. Perhaps. Yeah, Twitter at East Beer, Facebook, East Carolina Beer and Brewing. And we're just kind of all over the place. So hit us up. Don't be afraid to reach out and let us know what you like, what you don't like. And uh, I'm always happy if you want to send us free beer. We'd love to review it and and participate with what you got. So thanks again for listening. And uh, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.